Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for intel, forecasts, and success strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Ball. This segment's brought to you by GetValuate.com. Check it out. You can do online investment analysis and share it with colleagues easily online. Well, today we're talking healthcare real estate and medical real estate. You know, healthcare, real estate, medical office buildings and such have been very popular investment around the country. But with some changes coming up, right, with healthcare, or there's supposed to be, uh, we've got baby boomers kind of coming of age needing more care. So what? how is all that impacting uh, the investment properties when it comes to healthcare properties? Uh, and we have rising interest rates. Uh, we have rising construction costs. What's it all mean? What's the future look like? We'll check that out today. Please welcome my first guest, Jim Costello. He's Senior VP with Real Capital Analytics, and he's joining us on the phone. Jim, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. So, Jim, you know, I think the first question that I think a lot of our listeners have when they think about commercial real estate and, and property values is how values are trending. And I think it's the easiest way to talk about that is, is cap rates. What are you seeing for cap rate trends on medical office buildings? You know, medical office cap rates have been falling. Yeah, the, the funny thing about this is that the sector it traditionally was thought of as uh, sort of an alternative to traditional uh, commercial real estate. You go back to 2013, as recently as 2013, there's about an 80, 80 basis point spread between uh, medical office cap rates and traditional office cap rates. Mm -hmm. And today, uh, that spread's gone. You know, the, the, the investor interest has grown so much that even as cap rates were compressing for all asset classes, it compressed more uh, for medical office, and there's virtually no difference today between medical office cap rates and cap rates broadly. Yeah, that's interesting because we sell a lot of medical office buildings, and sometimes people ask us to say, hey, what's the difference between office buildings and medical office buildings? I said, well, they're just office buildings with a lot more going on, <laughs> a lot more complexity. So I think you would you would hope maybe uh, because of that complexity, you're getting a little better cap rate. But there again, I guess it makes sense because you have very stable tenants, uh, sometimes long uh, leases, and, and some of these tenants don't don't like to move. So what are these cap rates? What what are you what are you seeing as uh, far as the range there? Uh, well, nationally, we're looking at a six seven today for medical office cap rates. And yeah, historically, you should have uh, expected a little higher premium for the complexity. Uh, and today, you don't get that for you know, one of the reasons you uh, highlighted at the very, very beginning. Everybody understands the demographic need of what's going to happen with the aging of the baby boomers. More medical services will be needed. And investors are pricing that in and saying, yeah, it's a little bit more complex to operate these but there's a great, steady, long-run income story here, and they went in on that. Yeah. So what are the things, Jim, that may impact uh, medical office buildings moving forward? We have a lot of things going on. We have changes in the uh, healthcare system and with insurance. You know, we have changing in, changes in interest rates. So what should we consider as far as impact for MOBs? The thing that, that you can control, things you can understand, sort of what is your interest exposure, where's the world going there. Uh, certain types of investors have been uh, more active in acquisitions in the last year and a half that uh, uh, really may tell a story about sort of the ability to 
absorb those fears and just deal with them and move on. So the REIT investors have captured about 40% of all acquisitions in, in, the, in uh, the first half of this year. Uh, you know, and, and so I look at that. REITs are not on a tear buying a lot of assets broadly in other property sectors. Uh, the fact that the REITs are such a big uh, component of acquisitions in uh, the medical office sector uh, it tells me that you know these these groups you know are better able to manage some of those uh, fears and risks that uh, uh, around what happens with interest rates in the future. Yeah, well, that makes sense. And uh, Jim, you mentioned that cap rates have been falling for MOB. So uh, I think in a lot of property sectors out there, tell me if I'm wrong, they're, they're kind of flattening. Uh, but you say MOBs are still uh, compressing. So what do you expect moving forward? And is that compression kind of small? And what do you expect moving forward? Well, the pace of compression has certainly been falling. Uh, and one of the things, though, that I think supports you know, some ongoing compression is the fact that there's still deal activity. The, in every other property sector, we've fallen back in terms of total volume from the peak levels we saw in 2015. Sales of medical office buildings uh, through August of 2017 are already 12% ahead of the pace set in 2015. So we are on target to hit a record year for medical office deal volume. Uh, the record was $11.7 billion. And you know we're on pace to hit uh, 13.2 billion uh, for the end of the year. Now that's not a big number compared to other property sectors, but for the medical office sector, uh, that that would be a record. Right, and let's put that in perspective. So if you compare it to say just regular office, you know what is it? It's kind of 10 percent of the size of that sector. If that, it's yeah. uh, it's, it's not going to be it's not going to be that big. But it's got the momentum, and that's the key thing today. Yeah. So what would be uh, your tips or strategies moving forward related to medical office, Bill and Jim? Uh, you, you think it's a, a good buy, a good product type? What, what should we uh, watch out for? Well, you know, the thing, the thing to be concerned about, you've got you know, two big REITs that have dominated a lot of purchases of late. That's HTA REIT and Physicians Realty Trust. So you know, you know, these are groups where investors understand the story around uh, the age of the baby boomers. You know, they're, they're coming in and, and buying assets competitively. So you're competing there. Uh, you know, so that, that, that's a, a challenge you face. Uh, you know, the other thing I think that you, know, you might look at is sort of where they're not buying. And if you are you know, steeped in that market and understand you know, who the right physician groups are, the right uh, healthcare uh, locations and facilities to uh, attach yourself to. And so just getting that local knowledge, I think, becomes very important for success then. Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, we see that uh, when we see some of these sales and, uh, uh, and the investors didn't really understand what was going on with some of those larger tenants uh, and some of the risks there. So I agree. You want to get somebody that's very connected and know what's going on. Uh, Jim, thanks for being with us. We appreciate your insight. Thank you. And if you want more information from Jim, we'll put a link to their website at CREshow.com. Let me ask you this. What do you get when an investor and a developer and a broker walk into a, to a room together and talk MOBs? Stay with us. You'll find out. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. 
Excelligent, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com. Build out the best all-in-one marketing tool for your brokerage. Learn how you can create marketing materials instantly and streamline your property listings process. Visit buildout.com. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. This segment is brought to you by Excelligent, building data everywhere. Visit Excelligent.com. Today we're talking about medical office buildings, healthcare real estate. Please welcome my next guest. It's Paul Zeman. Paul is president of Healthcare Real Estate Services. He's also a partner with the firm of Bull Realty. Paul, thanks for joining us today. Good afternoon. Well, Paul, um, one of the things that we were talking with Jim about was some of the cap rates that uh, he's seeing around the country for medical office buildings. And we always kind of talk about, you know, kind of averages of, of cap rates. So I think the listeners are aware of that. We're talking averages of all kinds of buildings. So, uh, and he mentioned what, seven cap range, 7% cap range. So what are you seeing on some of the different styles, types, and sizes of, of medical office buildings for cap rates? Well, I, I would agree with Jim that cap rates are uh, 7% across the board if we consider all medical office buildings, but I, I tend to play in the, the $5 million and greater sector. Mm -hmm. And it, when we start looking at $5 million and greater, um, we're more in the, the mid-sixes, six and a half, maybe 6.4. Okay. And what if you have an institutional quality building that's you know $80 million with great leases in a, in a, in a great area? You know, the, the, the trophy assets, mm -hmm. uh, the portfolios that I sell, mm -hmm. they're going to trade a lot more aggressively. I've, mm -hmm. seen, I've seen offers on properties in the, in the low five cap range. Mm -hmm. uh, on the other side of the coin, uh, some of the buildings that are further from campus, uh, maybe not as much hospital sponsorship, uh, very well could trade in the, in the low to mid sevens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's interesting. So you're still getting in the sevens, even if it's a suburban office building. Yeah, it, it, it very well could yeah. be. I, I recently closed a, a $17 million transaction mm -hmm. uh, out in Athens, Georgia, that had some hospital sponsorship. Mm -hmm. It was a condo situation, and and it was still a 7.0 cap. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. So what is what are you seeing for occupancy and vacancy in the medical office building world? You know, vacancy continues to, to drive itself down uh, into the single digits, mm -hmm. which is uh, significantly lower than we've seen in a long time. And is just as a result of the, the supply and demand equation, um, we've, we've seen rental rates continue to increase. Yeah. Well, that's good for the, the medical office building investors. So you're talking to people who own medical office buildings every day and they're buying them every day and selling them. So what are you hearing from these folks about Obamacare and the Trumps and everyone's talking about repeal and replace of Obamacare? Do they have any concerns about the health care insurance market moving forward for their tenants? You know, I, I, haven't, I haven't seen that. I think as far as the investors go, whether they're institutional investors or 
private equity or high net worth individuals, they, um, they know there's going to be a need for health care. Uh, where I have seen uh, some conversations and some shift um, is in the length of the leases that are getting executed. Uh, a lot of times now, if a large health system leases a lot of space, especially in an off-campus building, they're typically going to, you know, lease for the amount of time that matches up well, like to their employed physicians' contracts, mm -hmm. uh, just to kind of kind of hedge a little bit. Yeah. So no one that you're dealing with is saying, "Hey, I'm concerned that the healthcare debacle is going to create some challenges for my my tenants." And, no, and not industry. really. And in fact, yeah. I even asked a, a buyer that I had a transaction. Uh, under contract with during the election, mm -hmm. said, does it does it dissuade you or persuade you mm -hmm. whether it's going to be, you know, Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump? Mm -hmm. And the answer was an emphatic, no. We buy medical office buildings for a living. That's what we do. Yeah. So it, their strategy wasn't going to change one way or the other. Yeah. Well, gee, we, on the outside looking in, if you're out there, you may think that, wow, with the baby boomers all coming of age, it's really, you would think there's going to be a lot of need for services and uh, it'll be paid for some way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We, we've always had an issue. I remember 15 years ago, it was HMOs. We're just eating the doctors alive. And that seemed like a little bump in the road. But at the time, it was like a major crisis. Yeah. So. Well, let's talk about certificates of need because you're selling buildings uh, all over the country in different states. So if you're an investor and you're looking at a building where some of the major tenant in the building has a CON, how does that impact the stability of that tenant in that investment property? You know, I, it's going to vary state to state, mm -hmm. uh, but I've always said that uh, a CON is a landlord's best friend. Um, it, it really... Some people would argue it, it re restricts free trade, uh, which it does. Mm -hmm. uh, you and I could not go open an imaging center or a surgery center tomorrow if we wanted to without, without jumping through the, the hoops to get it done. But uh, it, it's going to vary by state. Uh, I think that like here in Georgia, I think that Georgia is the second toughest state in the nation, second only to North Carolina in terms of CON. And whether you're talking imaging center or surgery center or a new wing on the hospital, uh, it, it could sort of get almost dumbed down to some states, it's more of a rubber stamp. But in the tougher CON states, uh, it's it's a huge benefit to the landlord to have a tenant who's under CON. Yeah, so a certificate of need. So have you even seen some cases where um, someone's trying to get a certificate of need and some of the existing players in the marketplace, some of their competitors, are actually fighting it? Um, they always fight it. It's, it's commonplace that if uh, somebody files a certificate of need, uh, again, I'll go back to imaging. Um, some of the physician practices in town and even a lot of the folks that don't even have their own imaging equipment will, will file an appeal with, uh, with the state. So uh, it's a battle. It's a battle. But not only is it a battle for somebody to get a CON, but if you're you're thinking about them moving a surgery center or moving an imaging center, it, it does is not always economically feasible. Uh, a good imaging center is going to bill out fifty to a hundred thousand dollars a day. Well, after you're done fighting maybe a million dollar legal battle to get to move down the street, you you maybe had your your center shut down for thirty days while it was moving, and the the financial impact is such that. It's just easier to renew your lease and stay where you are, and that's what happens most of the time. Yeah. 
One thing I think is interesting about medical office buildings is there's less of them. I mean, there's not, it's not really a big market. I mean, you look at the office market is, is huge. So if someone's been in the office sector, uh, owning office buildings, and they're thinking about MOBs, uh, what's different? What should they think about? What should they watch out for? Well, like we said before, medical office is just really complicated office. Yeah. Um, when tenants do roll over in medical buildings, it's more expensive to replace them. And in terms of build out, just in terms of uh, the cost of plumbing and electrical is typically a lot greater mm -hmm. in a medical office building than it is in an office building. And that's why I think the primary reason that cap rates have typically been a little bit less in office buildings than they are in medical office buildings. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, great information, Paul. Thanks for joining us. Always love being here. All right. If you like more information from uh, Paul Zeman, you can find his information at bullrealty.com. And thanks for joining us out there on iTunes, YouTube, radio stations, however you're reaching us. Thanks for being with us. Are you a real estate agent? Hi, this is Michael Bull. Would you like consistent high income? Would you like to be the top producer in your office? Would you like to be known as the go-to broker in your market? Well, I have something for you. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Video is powerful. Some of the biggest brands in commercial real estate have trusted us to tell their story. We are Barnes Creative Studios, premier commercial real estate video services. BarnesCreativeStudios.com. Would you like access to invest in institutional quality commercial real estate with experienced sponsors with small amounts of money? Of course you would. Visit RealCrowd.com. Choose between Core, Core Plus, Value Add, or Opportunistic. Visit RealCrowd.com. Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. Thanks for being with us. Today we're talking healthcare and medical real estate. Now, if I sound a little different, I'm not in our palatial uh, TV and radio studio. I'm out in the field today. I had the opportunity to speak at the NAR uh, annual convention in Chicago, and now I'm speaking to uh, realtors now in Oregon. So, but I wanted to add a little bit to this show to give you some tips on some things for your business or your practice or your brokerage. And speaking of brokerage, this segment is brought to you by Commercial Agent Success Strategies. Just visit commercialagentsuccess.com if you are a broker or agent and you want to do well in commercial brokerage. But I wanted to add a few tips to this show for you regarding leasing space for your business, buying space for your business, for your practice, or, or if you're an advisor, helping those who do. So first of all, talk about some tips for buying property for your practice and some of the positive and negative issues why you may or may not want to do that. Also touch briefly on some sale leasebacks and how that might be beneficial for you. And then I'll provide some quick tips about leasing space for your practice or business. First of all, on the subject of buying space for your business, most businesses lease rather than purchase. And that's simply because investing in your practice or business would typically provide a higher return than investing in real estate. You know, think about it. You think about businesses typically sell for some multiple of EBITDA. 
So maybe it's a four times EBITDA, that's about a 25% return. You know, real estate, you think in terms of six, seven, eight percent cap rates, which is also the cash from cash return in your first year if you paid all cash. Now, overall, in the life, uh, the return of the investment, you're probably going to double that, uh, maybe more, but, uh, but it's not going to be as much as typically investing in your business. Now, having said that, many physicians like the diversification and benefits of investing in real estate, the principal reduction, you know, the, the edge against inflation benefits of it. Your business or practice can be a great tenant, a tenant you can really rely on. You know, another benefit of leasing is flexibility, changing location, changing the size of your practice or, or your business. But think about it, most medical offices remain pretty consistent in their size, and they typically stay in the long, long location a very long time. So some doctors uh, do really like to buy. Another benefit of buying is lenders really like owner-occupants. They like medical borrowers. So some lenders will offer great interest rates uh, and leverage for a doctor buying space. They may even require less down payment, which can really increase your returns. Now, this is what I keep in mind. Don't be so bent on buying that you throw the baby out with the bathwater. The first thing I would consider is when you're looking at space for your business and you want to buy, is think about the best location for your business first. Think about the right price, the right location, the right space, because if your practice will be more successful in, in a medical office building, for example, that's around other referral sources, then you don't want to be so intent on buying, you go buy a building and it's in the wrong area, and your practice or your business doesn't do well. My prime example, I've owned, uh, I own lots of, not lots of real estate, I own real estate, and I own the building where my business first started 20 years ago. Uh, we did well, we outgrew it, I wanted to buy another building for our business, but the right business, the right location, the right space wasn't available. So it was better for me to lease for my company uh, and just buy other investment properties. You know, some of the other benefits of owning include controlling your environment and possibly even your neighbors if you buy a larger building and then lease space around you, you know, that you're not utilizing. You know, plus, and here's the big thing I've seen from selling real estate for 30 years for, for businesses and helping clients and businesses is that sometimes the real estate become a windfall. Maybe you buy the building quick <laughs> kicking and screaming because you're tired of your senior rent increase or you just want to control your own building um, and you don't really even want to put the down payment. But, you know, you're there, time flies when you're paying bills or raising children or running a business. And then all of a sudden, you know, 15, 20, 25 years go by and you've cre created a real nest egg. I, I've seen some business owners and, and practices look at it as almost a windfall. Wow, I wasn't even thinking about that when I bought the building. Uh, so it can be a great thing to do is to buy, if you can find the right building in the right area for your practice or your business. Let's switch to sell leasebacks for a moment. We find this is a good option for many of our medical clients. You sell the building that you use for your practice or your business, and then you control the property on a long-term lease. There are a lot of reasons that practices or businesses do this. You know, one, it, the cap rates right now are really low, interest rates are really low, uh, there's a lot of demand for long-term lease properties with credit tenants, so you can get some good prices. So if you follow the cycles and you want to you know, sell when the market's high, uh, buy when it's low, it might be a good time if, uh, to do a sell lease back if you have a property that you use for your practice or business. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of factors that adjust the value, the length of the lease, of uh, the initial term, the credit of you as a tenant, 
uh, obviously the rent you pay, the more triple net the lease is, the more value. There's a lot of aspects and, and a lot of uh, tips there, but it's something to consider. Especially if you think you might be selling your business or practice, you know, in the next five years or six, seven years, you know, it might be good to go ahead and get some of that equity out. Uh, so when someone buys your business or practice, they don't have to buy the building. You know, that can already that equity can already be put to work somewhere else with you. All right, let's touch on some leasing tips for healthcare practices. First of all, engage a tenant rep familiar with healthcare who's representing your best interest. Be totally aware. The landlords and their agents at these medical office buildings, wherever you're looking, they represent themselves or they represent the landlords. For a quick example of the importance, have, have you ever read in the newspaper or the business journal about a big law firm that's leased space in a building? And you'll also see in the coverage that they were represented by such and such real estate firm. So think about it, it's a law firm with a big real estate department with lawyers who know leases and they still engage a tenant rep. Do not leave that out of your practice. Um, another good thing to do is when you find the right medical tenant rep is make sure they interview all your key people. You do a very thorough needs analysis. Think about your long-term plans, your short-term plans. You know, what's right about your practice now? Do you want to grow? Might you want to sell it one day? Because there's a lot of things that we do as tenant reps that we're thinking far ahead for your practice. Because sometimes it's, the rental rate, obviously, and the cost is important, always. But also there can be some other things like lease clauses and things that can come up later that can be even a lot more important. So the more we get to know your business, your goals, the better we can represent you as a tenant rep or someone like us in your, your market area. Look, if you'd like to know more about buying for your business, sell leasebacks, or some leasing tips, you know, we've went over a lot of things very quickly, you're invited to call, email me. That's Michael at CREshow.com. Well, I hope you enjoyed the show today, and thanks for joining us. Be sure and join us next week. And until then, be sure you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty, Asset and Occupancy Solutions, CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Better serve clients, earn more commissions. Excelligent, building data everywhere. Real Crowd, crowdfunding with the professionals. Get Valuate, online investment analysis. Build Out, marketing for your brokerage. For more information on these great companies, visit CREshow.com. And you're invited to subscribe to the show on YouTube and iTunes and connect with us on your favorite social media.